Good morning, Four Oaks Church. Pastor Paul, it is Tuesday, October 24th. We're a little late getting on the air today. Just one of those things. Um, life and ministry happened this morning, but here we are, better late than never. Um, once again, I'm wearing a beanie, and I'm, I'm wondering if this is going to become a theme because of the change in weather. And so... Who knows what attire you will see me in on any particular morning this fall and winter. Okay, let's dig into Matthew 12. We are looking at what, let's be honest, is one of not just the most controversial passages in the New Testament, but one of the scariest, one of the most ominous, um, the one that talks about a sin that is unforgivable. And so... Um, this is particularly jarring in Matthew 12, coming off the passage we just looked at, which was this, this idea that, that Jesus and his grace are greater than all of our sins, and that he, we being weak, um, uh, reeds and lowly wicks, he does not snuff us out. There is more grace in Jesus than sin in us. An amazing, amazing passage, right? But now we're the tables have turned in terms of the sober nature of what is being discussed. And so we're using this week to unpack this text together as we prepare to preach it this coming Sunday. So let me read the text again, just briefly rehearse where we were yesterday and then move forward from here. So we're in Matthew 12 verses 22 through 32. Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute was brought to him, and he healed him, so that the man spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, It is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man cast out demons. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast demons out, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. For how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house." Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. And so last time we talked about the healthy tension we need to, to maintain between understanding the storyline of the Bible and what any particular passage is saying in its context versus um, this idea of what we would call systematic theology, and that's understanding what the Bible as a whole has to say about a specific topic. And that's particularly pertinent here because we're talking about forgiveness. And when we look systematically across the scriptures, we see that God is nothing else if he is not a forgiving God. Slow to anger, abounding in love, slow, sl quick to forgive, right? 
Um, it is by grace we have been saved, okay? Um, he has forgiven our trespasses and, and sins. I mean, this is just, again, throw a dart at the Bible. Don't do this at home. But throw a dart at the Bible, you'll hit forgiveness. And so that needs to be a controlling factor in the way that we interpret this passage, while at the same time, we don't want to negate what this passage is saying, okay? In its context, it's actually saying something very real. Jesus is not addressing an ethereal situation. He's addressing real people, and he's making a declaration that there is a sin that cannot be forgiven. So we want to understand that in the context. Now, my assignment to you yesterday was to read through this text and to note all the things that Jesus says you can be forgiven for. Okay, now that's, that, see, that, that, that's not the way we typically approach this text. We approach it, what is it, what's the unforgivable sin, Pastor Ball? What is the sin against the Holy Spirit? Well, before we can answer that, we have to look and say, well, what does Jesus say that we can be forgiving, given for? Okay, so let's look at verse 31. Therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people. Okay, now, now, let's just stop there for a second. That is an astounding statement by Jesus. Um, we think about all the things that we might think are unforgivable sins. Murder, mass genocide, adultery, um, um, being a despot or, or dictator, um, you know, there's a whole litany of, of sins, suicide, that we might think are unforgivable. Jesus says, not true, they're all forgivable. Even the worst thing that you can dream up. And, and we have to look, no, we don't have to look to history for this. We look to the Bible, right? So Moses killed a man, God forgave him. David killed a man, slept with his wife, God forgave him. Paul was involved in genocide on a much larger scope, was killing scores of Christians, God forgave him. So that's the first thing we want to say is, is wow. It says anything, um, um, every sin will be forgiven people. He also says every blasphemy, okay? Now, now what is blasphemy? All right, let's, let's turn um, back to Exodus, okay, <clears throat> excuse me, to the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20. This is actually one of the um, commandments. Let's look at the third commandment, Exodus 27. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So what is blasphemy? Well, well blasphemy is cursing the name of God. Blasphemy is not just merely using the Lord's name in a curse, as in God damn, or um, something like that. Um, it, it, it means to profane his name, to devalue his name, to, to invoke his name um, in words or actions in a way that that accuses God, denigrates God. Um, and so, and, and this can happen not just in words, okay, but it can happen in deeds, right? 
So, so what does, um, what, what does Paul say, right? He says, you need to cast this man out, he tells Timothy, and so that the Holy Spirit will teach him not to blaspheme, okay? So, so blasphemy is, a, is an all-encompassing term. It's maybe the most serious thing that we could do against God, that we're raising a charge against God, that we are elevating ourselves above God, that we are cursing God, that we are telling God or denying God his rightful place and glory. That, that's, that's, in a general sense, what we mean by blasphemy. And here's what Jesus says. <clears throat> Every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people. Okay? Look at verse 32. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. Now, again, astounding, right? Jesus says, you can curse me, you can say negative things about me, evil about me, um, that's forgivable. And again, that is just an astounding statement. Jesus says, blasphemy against me, even that can be forgiven, okay? So I, I, I emphasize all these things to remind us, okay, just how all-encompassing this aspect of God's forgiveness is, okay? But Jesus says there is one sin that will not be forgiven. Look back at 31. But the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Look down at verse 32. Whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. So it seems here that Jesus is talking about a very specific sin, a very specific blasphemy, and this is a blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, okay? So that's what the Pharisees were engaging in here, and we have to ask, okay, what does that mean? Now, in order to understand what blasphemy against the Holy Spirit means, and again, there's tomes, volumes, all sorts of things written about this, we need to understand what's happened here and what the Pharisees were accusing Jesus of, okay? So let's look back at verse 22. A demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute. So this guy's a train wreck, right? He's possessed by demons, okay? He can't see, he can't really speak. Probably he can shriek, he can act out, he's uncontrollable, and something that everybody knows beyond a shadow of a doubt, okay, that this man is greatly afflicted and ill, and it says that Jesus healed him. And it was such an obvious healing that the man spoke and saw. In other words, he was transformed. He didn't just become silent. He actually began to speak. He actually began to see. He was in his right frame of mind. And it says, all the people were amazed, and they asked a very legitimate question, is this the Messiah? Can this be the son of David? I mean, it was such overwhelmingly overwhelming evidence to the deity and messiahship of Christ that people were beginning to draw the, the, the rightful conclusion that this, in fact, is the son of David. Now, here we go. But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, it is only by Beelzebul the prince of demons, that this man cast out demons. Now, I want you to notice something about the way the Pharisees respond here. They know they can't explain away this miracle. 
to them, it is very obvious that an act of God, or, or let me put it this way, something supernatural, unexplainable has happened, that this is beyond human capability. But for them to say that, yes, this is the son of David, okay, um, would have made a, a massive claim upon them and everything that they were standing against Jesus for. Jealousy, political power, all those things. But they knew they couldn't explain this in mere human terms. They knew it was supernatural. So the only option left to them was to credit this to Satan. In other words, Jesus, the only re yes, Jesus may have supernatural power, but Jesus um, is using this supernatural power. He, he's actually he's actually a demon or Beelzebul himself, Satan, and that's why he has authority and power to cast out demons. Okay, that that's their that's their response. Okay, they know it's supernatural. They know without betraying their hearts and bringing themselves to a real point of faith and confession and repentance that they're going to, that they can't say it's, it's, he's from God. They have to say it's, he's from Satan, as absurd as that may be. Now, it is, it is at that point that I think we, we can begin to draw this circle a little tighter and say, this blasphemy against the Holy Spirit seems to evolve around this idea that, 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 that this happens when we attribute the work of God, the self-evident work of God and the Spirit to Satan himself, okay? Um, that, 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 that when God makes himself known and that when it is abundantly clear that he is working and that Jesus is who he says he is, that instead of bowing the knee to that, that, that the Pharisees in turn turn this whole thing around and say, well, he's not really from God, he's really from Satan, that that in essence is the sin that will not be forgiven. That is a blasphemy of the, of the Holy Spirit. Now, that raises a whole host of issues, okay? which we obviously are not going to deal with today. We're going to deal with tomorrow. But today I want you to, to really fix on this idea of all the things Jesus says you can be forgiven, and then what the context is for hearing about the things that Jesus won't forgive. And that seems to have to do, and there's more to say about this, but there's not, but we can at least say this, attributing to Satan what is self-evidently the work of God, okay? Now, um, where we're going to pick this up tomorrow is we want to see first how Jesus responds to this accusation, okay, and and how how he reveals this to be patently absurd. And once we do that, we can then make our way forward into defining, I think, a little more specifically the conditions, the parameters of of this blasphemy of the spirit and begin to answer questions like, well, well, can a regenerate born again Christian commit this sin? Um, is, is how do you know you've committed? I mean, there, there's a whole host of things and, 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 and let me just 
help you rest assured in your heart. I think the answer to this is that if you could have committed blasphemy against the spirit as a child of God, you would have, okay? But someone who's indwelt, born again, regenerate, okay, um, I think does not, for, does not commit the, un, cannot commit the unforgivable sin because the spirit of Christ is within him or her. The question is, how do you know? How do you test, okay? And, and that's what we're going to pick this up tomorrow. All right, Lord Jesus, as we're examining this ominous text, let us not lose sight of your magnificent grace, that you forgive us of all manner and kinds of sin, even the worst sins that we can imagine. And so, Lord, um, if we only would find our rest and place our faith in you. And so, Lord, that's what we ask and continue to guide and direct us as we unpack this passage together. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everybody, see you tomorrow.